Hello and welcome to Weekly MTG. I'm your host, Blake Rasmussen, and here today with us, our special guest, Dave Humphreys. You know him from such sets as your favorite draft environments and the ones with all the sagas. Does that <laughs> yeah. pretty much sum it up? Pretty much sums it up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was the, the set design lead for the set. Last set you know me from was Kamigawa and Neon Dynasty, and mm -hmm. then Dominaria was my first set design lead when we sort of changed our process. All right, and so today, we are going to talk, you can see all the things we're going to, we're going to talk about many, many things at the bottom. I don't actually have any news, so we're going to skip that, but uh, Dave is going to walk us through the draft archetypes of March of the Machine. We're going to talk about the set booster exclusive cards uh, in, that are part of the commander set, and then we're going to walk through a bunch of multiverse legends that have not been reviewed, uh, revealed yet and are on the bonus sheet. And then we are going to talk a little bit at the end about Aftermath. March of the Machine, the Aftermath, so, which you were also Yeah, I was on. a lead on that as well. Yep. Okay. All right. Great. So, And then we'll answer questions. So I'll be watching chat. Um, you can put questions in chat, but we're mostly going to get to those at the end because we got a lot of stuff to get through. So let's dive right into it. For the draft archetypes, we're going to uh, show you some sample cards from each of the draft archetypes. We're going to talk about the signpost uncommon, all of which have all been revealed elsewhere by this point. And then we're going to show two new commons, which are... Uh, being previewed for the first time, and we'll talk about the archetype and how to draft it and what to do with it. Yep. So gonna, all right, let's, let's do it. Let's start with the white-blue archetype, which is Knights. So Marshal of Zulfir is that signpost uncommon, and then Knight of the New Coalition on the left, three and a white for a 2-2 creature human knight with vigilance. When Knight of the New Coalition enters the battlefield, create a 2-2 white and blue knight creature token with vigilance. And then Protocol Knight, three and a blue, for a human knight, obviously. 3-4, when Protocol Knight enters the battlefield, tap a target creature and opponent controls, put a stun counter on that creature if you control another knight. Tell us about this archetype, Dave. Yeah, so like I really enjoy putting in at least one um, sort of typal um, component where like, yeah, you talked about Dominaria, like Wizards was fun there, like we do have Phyrexians here as well, but we felt like this would be a fun way to just play up like, oh, there have been knights from all over the multiverse and we're now featuring Zalfir again here. We wanted to, you know, play up that whether, you know, and, and including stuff like Eldraine and um, Dominaria Knights and really from all over, including some of our obscure places. So this, this is really about, yeah, like you see the blue ones kind of asking you to control one knight. You don't necessarily have, a, have to have a ton of them in play. Mm -hmm. We have the, the, the white knight here is, you know, producing two knights, which then, again, you, you do have some bonuses here, like the signpost is giving a bonus to all your knights, so you do get some benefit from, like, going wide a little bit. And there, there are definitely other cards in the set that are, like, for white, white, black kind of stuff that's rewarding you for going a little bit wide, which you can do here, I should say, with, like, all these color pairs. This is... This is just one thing you can do. This is something that's like probably most supported, but there's certainly you can explore other ways and sort of link into other strategies in the set. Okay. Now I was kind of curious. That's you know we've seen a lot of creature type matters lords as they tend to be referred to, where they give creatures of the type plus one plus one. I don't know that I've ever seen one that taps a target creature that has a tap ability quite like this. Where did the concept for this lord come from? Yeah, I, like uh, some of us just trying to get something flavorable, some, something like in, in color pie for like sort of white and blue. Like we felt like that 
right? That this this just gave you some flexibility to big deal with like big strong bombs potentially and other stuff. I mean, I, I will say that this environment, especially with the multiverse bonus sheet of legends, um, th there are some bombs, and we've we've taken extra measures to make sure like that you can interact with some some more cards than you might otherwise have to deal with in a limited environment. Um, but yeah, tapping felt pretty flavorful for knights and on on color. All right. Well, let's look at our next blue archetype, which is black blue. And I like the twist on this one. We've seen black blue graveyard matters sorts of things, but this one cares this archetype cares about both graveyards. So let's look at the two commons real quick. Halo charged scob, four and a blue for a four four zombie when Halo Charged Scob enters the battlefield, each player mills two cards, then you may put an instant sorcery or battle card from your graveyard on top of your library. Tenured oil caster, three and a black for a two four. With menace, it's a Phyrexian wizard. When tenured oil caster, oh, sorry, tenured oil caster gets three plus three plus zero as long as an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard. And when tenured oil caster attacks or blocks, each player mills a card. So, tell us about the twist of using both graveyards here. Yeah, um, like in many ways, I feel like there's often a tension. Like often in, in many many sets, we do like target player mills a card, and I feel like that there's there's a bit of tension that, especially for newer players, in terms of like, do I do myself? Do I do my opponent? Mm -hmm. I I kind of just wanted to make that part of the decision easy. We're we're just like almost all the cards in the set are milling both players, and then like I, I try to set it up that they're. There are rewards for both filling your graveyard and your opponent's graveyard, and like yeah, but there's you don't have to go through that decision process. Like Kayla Forager, it's pretty exciting in some sense, and yeah, like we haven't done many cards like this that's letting it cast out of um, like a graveyard, not your graveyard. Mm -hmm. um, like we, we do have a number of cards that are referencing eight or more cards in your opponent's <laughs> graveyard, which is something we've sort of done in some past sets. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, just more more tr traditional kind of like recursion elements that you'd expect to see, like, you know, kind of Grave Digger-like effects or this this card here, Halo Charge Scob, which is, um, yeah, like you're not getting card advantage out of it, so it, we get to get uh, slightly better stats on it. But, yeah, like it's letting you recurse your, your most powerful spells or battles. All right. Uh, next up, Black Red. We've, we've definitely seen this archetype before. Sacrifice Artifacts and Creatures. So... The two new commons, Corrupted Conviction for a black mana, instant as an additional cost to the, cast this spell, sacrifice a creature, draw two cards, and then we see Marauding Dreadship, two in a red for a 4-1 vehicle. It has haste, and when Marauding Dreadship enters the battlefield, incubate two, and then it has crew two. Uh, all right, how'd you end up on Black Red Sacrifice here? Yeah, I mean, we, we do go back to the same well sometimes. It, it felt like just a, a fitting thing here. It felt like just flavorful here in terms of like, yeah, you're, you're you know, like really everything's pretty dire and everything's like, you know, sort of the, this is like every, everything's at stake here and just like sacrificing stuff to try to save your world or whatever felt pretty good thematically. Um, we also just in terms of the mechanics here, like Incubate plays pretty heavily into this where like mm -hmm. you, you get incubate tokens at pretty good rates because like they're not creatures yet and you have to invest to make them creatures with mana so like you you get those at a pretty good rate and then like so that makes it pretty easy to also maybe yeah i'll just like sacrifice this instead of um paying to turn it into a creature and and you're sort you're sort of like getting a, a benefit out of that um and, and then like we have we have typical stuff like corrupted conviction you've probably <laughs> seen before with another name we, we sort of wanted to give it a new more reprintable name for for the future going forward and and also telling a nice story moment here but yeah like 
yeah, there's just like a, a lot of little creatures that you'll see, a lot of like tokens and stuff, and like sort of as you'd expect with that, it's it's all about turning those into potentially better resources or sort of positionally game-winning plays. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do like the, it just fits here. I know we've seen black-red sacrifice artifacts and creatures before, but the, the fact that they have the incubate tokens that kind of can play both roles, yeah. uh, I think fits really well. Uh, next up, so this is definitely not an archetype we've had before. So the red-green archetype is win battles. Uh, so we saw Rampaging Geoderm, I think, this morning is when it came out. Uh, but these two commons, so War-Trained Slasher, three in a red for a Wolverine Dinosaur, which I'm here for, is a 4-3 with Menace, and when War-Trained Slasher attacks a battle, double its power until end of turn. And then War Historian, three and a green, human monk, reach. War Historian has indestructible as long as it attacked a battle this turn, and it is a 3-3. Three, three. All right, so how did you end up on red-green wins battles? Yeah, well, we, we, I mean, we had battles here. Like, we, we, you know, we had the discussion of do we, do we want there to be an archetype that supports this, this and going into this. It's, it's a little bit tricky because, like, you, you can probably only support so many battles. Um, Right, like if your deck's just all battles, you're gonna have a hard time winning your battles potentially. But yeah, we, we like we, we wanted there to be a, a colors that could like have strength, and in some ways, like red and green are like red's good already against like battles. In some ways, just from direct damage, and mm -hmm. green in some ways might struggle a little bit. Like if you have a big tr trample creature, that's one thing. But it, like they don't like green doesn't have much evasion, so it might be hard for green to otherwise. Um, getting through but we just in, in terms of evaluating all the color pairs we felt like this one was best situated and that we'd give it more tools to specifically be good at um dealing with battles and we gave it some tools also to like splash battles so like th there will be like a lot of the battles are gold and some of them like oh, if nobody's in that color pair they might start floating around the table in draft and you might be able to pick up some extra battles um, mm -hmm. that are that are most you know that are in the best fits to your curve or what you're trying to do and um, so yeah, it's it's like right. Th these two two commons are pretty straightforward. Like these are just really good at attacking battles and making sure that you can um, you know that it, that it makes sense to be going after battles when you might not have other you know good plays. Like if you're three three like doesn't it would just be trading otherwise or trading if you're attacking your opponent. I know some people are concerned like why when I just keep attacking my opponent. Like th these give you some reasons. Like well there there are reasons to be going after battles mm -hmm. um, sometimes. So. Yeah, makes sense. Well, and I also like that these definitely get significantly better when they're attacking battles, but they're not not—they're not nothing if they're not attacking battles. That War Historian is still a 3-3 a three, three reach for 3 mana. Rampaging Geoderm is still a you know attacking 4-4 four, four Trample Haster that can move that power and toughness around if it needs to. Yeah, they're, they're very close to kind of the base rates of what you'd expect for creatures anyways, even if they had no other like non-keyword texts. Mm -hmm. All right. Moving on, so green-white is a returning archetype counters, but there's uh, a bit more going on here because of backup. So real quick, the commons here. Enduring Bond Warden, single white mana for a human scout, 0-1. It's got backup 1. And when this creature dies, put its counters on target creature you control. And then Placid Rotten Tail, single green for a fungus rabbit, a 1-1 one -one with vigilance. And two and a green exile placid rotten tail from your graveyard. Put two plus one plus one counters on target creature. Activate only as a sorcery. So we've seen green white with plus one plus one counter themes before. How does it interact differently with backup? 
Um, yeah, so like, I mean, backup just means like there are a lot of cards with backup. Backup's like a great, fun, limited mechanic. We really enjoyed it. Um, like, so yeah, we, we have like Enduring Bond Warden, right? Like this is a card where you might just give the counter to something else. Otherwise you can you can put the counter on it and then its its abilities tie into like, okay, well I can, yeah, I, I can give that counter out elsewhere. I mean, Placid Rotten Tail, like for example, like if this dies, you could then put its counters onto the Enduring Bond Warden or onto another creature. I should mm -hmm. should also note, not on this slide, but like a, a lot of the cards are also set up to work with the, the Incubate tokens again, where, mm -hmm. right, like so it, you'll note it says like whenever one or more plus one plus one <coughs> counters are put on another permanent you control, like this includes those. So like th there's there's a definitely like a lot of plus one plus one synergies floating around the set and um, yeah, like backup just sort of adds to the, to the fun of that in terms of, yeah, it's something just that's frequently out there and frequently happening. Very cool. All right, next up, another white archetype is white-black, and this one's certainly new. It's Phyrexians. Uh, so we've got, we've seen Sculpted Perfection before, but the new cards on the left and center. Attentive Skywarden is two and a white for a creature Phyrexian Core. A 2-2 flyer with whenever Attentive Skywarden deals combat damage to a player or battle, transform up to one target incubator token you control. And then Icker Drinker, a single black for a Phyrexian Vampire, 1-1 one, one lifelinker, and one black mana and exile this from your graveyard, incubate to activate only as a sorcery. So we've got a lot of Phyrexian and incubate matter stuff in this archetype it looks like. Yeah, so we, we, we avoided, like, uh, like with our previous set, it was a little bit tricky because, like, over 90% of the creatures were Phyrexian, so it didn't, mm -hmm. didn't make a ton of sense to be having, like, Phyrexian matters there just because, like, so much of it was already. Um, right, so, like, we, we definitely have more cards that are, like, Phyrexians get this bonus, like, on the, <coughs> the signpost here, like, again, another, like, sort of lord effect that's up this time on an enchantment. Um, right, that right. This this color pair more than any has like a lot of kind of small incubate numbers and ways to facilitate getting your incubate uh, incubator tokens going and active fast enough. Like the the white flyer here is helping you. Like okay, well you don't actually have to spend the two because that can be kind of tricky if you're trying to play play like a really aggressive deck. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have stuff too like Icker Drinkers, kind of like. Again, a nice highlight of this works really well in this setup in terms of like it's a small creature that you could potentially buff. It, it also ties in like even though black red is more officially about like sacrificing stuff, right? Like that we, we have a lot of ways to pivot in, right? Like you could play red, black, white, or you could be taking advantage of a bunch of the black cards that are sacrificing stuff that are also going to work well with this. So like we, we do try to have it be pretty easy to like pivot and use like mm -hmm. themes from some of the other color pairs as well. But yeah, just overall this card works nicely and synergistically with like a lot of the other cards on the screen here. Yeah, yeah, and Icker Drinker, like you said, and that black-red sacrifice archetype, you get you get two opportunities to sacrifice out of this one card, which is great, or in the Phyrexian archetype, you get two opportunities to have Phyrexians on the board. All right, next up, no surprise here, my favorite archetype, uh, Blue-Red Convoke. So Convoke is, uh, it's, a it's new to blue, right in, it's, in it's pretty yeah like there was a card that granted your other cards um convoke but mm -hmm. it's, it's the first time we've seen cards that are just like blue cards with like convoke as a keyword all right uh, real quick let me read the two new commons we've got thunderhead squadron there on the left five and a blue for a human knight three four flying with convoke very straightforward 
And then Shatter the Source, five in a red for an instant with Convoke. It says, choose one, Shatter the Source deals six damage to target creature, planeswalker, or battle, or destroy target artifact. So how did you end up with Convoke in blue-red? Well, a lot of it is just we, we thought it would be fun to explore that space, frankly. Like, I mean, we, we wanted a mechanic for kind of for like instants and sorceries, like what sort of mechanic could we put on instants and sorceries? And we felt like Convoke felt like a really good storytelling thing in terms of like backup is very much about showing people working together to overcome the invasion. Convoke also is a way to express like, all right, your your creatures are helping you cast the spells and in, in some sense showing team up in a, in a different sort of way. So we, we liked Convoke here mechanically, and then it was like, all right, well, we had to settle on colors. We thought it would be fun, like as a, you know, especially with a lot of focus on spells or instants mm -hmm. and sorceries, to put it in blue and red, which are more, you know, the, the most instant and sorcery heavy colors. Um, at the same time, that's a bit of a challenge because Convoke is asking you for early creatures in the game to help cast those spells, and blue and red are the colors that have the least number of creatures usually. So we, we did have to create extra support, which is why you see like the uncommon here is creating like three creatures on the board at once. Um, I think like my, actually my preview article today, which you should go read went up <laughs> and uh, it has like a two mana uh, red and one, uh, red and colorless sorcery that makes two red blue tokens. Um, that, that was another consideration is like, I think the same with the knights that like, a lot of the tokens have two colors to, so that they're helping you cast Convoke cards by having the color that you'd want to cast your spells more easily. Yeah. And, oh, and also, like I should note here, like in, in terms of the six damage, that's a very big number for a common. This, this sort of goes into what I said earlier is like we really want to make sure like, all right, if there's a six toughness creature, we may even see some of those later. You've seen Yargle and Wiltani, but yeah, I wanted mm -hmm. to make sure that there are adequate answers so that you don't feel like hopeless if you're staring down a you know, a rare legend or just otherwise large creature. Yeah, we will We will definitely see some large creatures, creatures later on. All right, before we get there, we got three more archetypes to go. So black, green, go big. So we've got on the left there, Gloomfang Mauler. That is certainly big. Five black, black for a 5-5 five, five creature nightmare. It has Swamp Cycling 2 and Backup 2 and Menace. Did not expect to see Swamp Cycling in this set. And then Converter Beast, three and a green for a zero one. Doesn't sound very big, but it's a Phyrexian Beast. And when Converter Beast enters the battlefield, incubate five, which is that the biggest incubate number in this set? I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, that was the biggest I mean, there, one I could remember. Yeah, there, there are variable incubates, like there's the green rare that makes it based on the number of lands you control, but this is the biggest number, I believe, to appear on one. Okay, very cool. All right, so how did you end up here on Black Green Go Big? Right, I mean, this, this is pretty general. Um, like, we, we, we had, like, white-black. We wanted to be kind of the, like, low-to-ground, go-wide Phyrexian. We, we wanted to then try to differ in some way. So we, we tried to work towards, like, this is going to be more the, like, big incubate numbers and the, right, trying to get really big tokens out. Not tokens that you'd want to sacrifice, like, you don't want to sacrifice your incubate five. That, like, just getting stuff on the board, ramping, um, Right, like, you know, Swamp Cycling, I just mentioned briefly, like, we, we were, right, like, it's it's somewhat important to get on the board and play to the board to be able to protect and attack battles. So, like, we were having a little bit of trouble getting our big creatures to see play, and, like, we felt like, all right, like, let's get Swamp Cycling or the, the various land cyclings on a lot of our big um, common creatures to make mm -hmm. sure that they're they're more playable. Like, I mean, who doesn't love just being able to fix their draws and, yeah. and play their spells? So, um 
that was a, a somewhat late addition. Um, I mean, th this card is huge and impressive. I will say, like, Green Black also does quite a, quite well with backup. There are a lot of keys, like, you like there's a backup creature that gives lifelink, backup creatures that, like, help your big creatures get through. Like, there, there's a lot of fun stuff to be doing with backup where you're, you know, like, if you can lifelink a huge creature. I loved lifelinking. Yargle did it many times. Yargle's, <laughs> Yargle's sort of the secret rare signpost for this, which is, again, yeah, you're just trying to ramp and do big stuff. And, like, yeah, this uncommon really, like, you know, like double the number of plus one, plus one counters on it. It's pretty impressive, like with Converter Beast. So you're just trying to do big, cool stuff. Yeah. Now, um, so Swamp Cycling, for those who don't know, uh, is basically, it's land cycling, and we, we have these for all the basic lands. Swamp Cycling is like cycling. You pay two, you discard it. Uh, but instead of drawing a card, you get to search your library for a Swamp card and put it into your hand. So, uh, now, did you mention that there are other land cyclers? Yeah, the, all, all the, there's one for each of the, yeah, each of the five colors. Each of the five colors yeah, has one? I think right. on pretty much the, the top end of the curve for each color. All right. Let's move on to our red-white archetype, which is focused on backup. So, you see Mirror Shield Hoplite on the right there spells that out pretty clearly but then we've got some pretty cool cards commons on the left there so kithkin billy rider two and a white for a kithkin knight one three with double strike and then hanger scrounger in the middle two and a red backup one whenever this creature becomes tapped you may discard a card if you do draw a card and it's a two one dwarf pilot everybody loves a good dwarf pilot that has an effect when it becomes tapped all right, so what is backup doing in red-white? Yeah, backup, as I mentioned, backup's a lot about showing teaming up, um, right? So th these colors, right, like, the, I mean, other than just wanting to show this cute Kithkin, like, double, double strikes kind of, you know, just a, a, a <coughs> good example of, right, like, each counter you're going to put on a double striker is really making that card more impressive and hard to deal with. Like, you you know, once it's a 2-4 or a 3-5 or whatever, it's it's becomes pretty formidable pretty quickly, especially if you're giving it keywords or flying or any number of things. Um, it doesn't necessarily synergize specifically with the other card I have on screen, but again, just sort of an I, I, like an example of, like, right, that this... this I mean, backup's just a ton of fun in terms of, like, right, you, you put this on the Kithkin, um, you get to fix your hand a little bit the next turn like you still have this that's going to attack and you can mm -hmm. fix your hand again you can choose whether like <coughs> or you know or, or maybe you want to you decide that you want a three two instead of a two one depending on the board situation so that maybe it can keep attacking if there's like a one one out but like yeah back, backup's just like a ton of fun um right like i've i've worked on mutate and i've worked on soul bond many years ago but it's just yeah the, the mixing and matching of mechanics and abilities is really just a fun place to play in especially for limited um, and yeah, the, the hoplite here is letting you like it's pretty pretty narrow, but it's yeah it's it's definitely it's letting you calling to the like specifically this mechanic and letting you double up on that mechanic and has again a lot of fun options. Mm -hmm. All right, next up and the last archetype, blue green transformation. So this is obviously a new archetype as well. Cares about cards that are transformed or do transform. So Oculus Welp there on the left, three and a blue for a three two. Phyrexian Dragon, great creature type, flying, as long as you control a transformed permanent, Oculus Whelp has when Oculus Whelp dies, draw a card. In the middle there you have Overgrown Pest, three and a green for a 2-2 two -two creature, Pest. When Overgrown Pest enters the battlefield, look at the top five cards of your library, you may reveal a land or double-faced card from among them and put that card into your hand 
put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. All right, how did you end up on blue-green transformation? Well, I guess if there was any time we were going to do transformation matters, it was probably here since we, we do have, right, so one of the, in, the, in the draft boosters, one of the slots is for the kind of the Phyrexian DFCs. Um, at, at Mythic, it's the Praetors, but below that, it's like creatures that turn into Phyrexians with Phyrexian mana, which you've seen a lot of. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have Battles is another slot in the draft boosters. So like those are DFCs as well that you can transform. So, and then we have also, we, we decided it would be kind of like part, part of, like I wouldn't say it was entirely the reason, but one of the reasons like we, we were attached to the idea of the incubator tokens was that those could also transform that, hey, we could actually have an archetype built around transform permanence because I don't know that we'll anytime soon do two, <laughs> two double-faced cards per pack. Um, and like, yeah, then right then there's even more support for that with a token. So mm -hmm. but like if this was, if we were gonna ever do this, this was the time to do it, um, blue-green, just flavorfully, like, you know, I guess I could call back to Ravnica and Simic. It just, it just felt like that, right, if, if anybody would be working in this space, it would be blue-green. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited to try this one out. It's weird. It's wonky. I'm a big fan of blue-green archetypes. Uh, this hits kind of all the notes for me. Um, all right. So that's it for draft archetypes. If you have questions about the draft archetypes, uh, we'll come back to the Q&A section at the end. You can ask Dave um, about the, the different archetypes. But we want to get to some more previews. So we're going to go to the set booster cards. Now, you didn't work on these, but you, you went back and, and chatted with some folks who did, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. I chatted with Ethan about, yeah, especially like the commander cards, yep. Yep. All right, cool. So let's start with Firemane Commando. Firemane Commando, three and a white for a 4-3 Angel Soldier. It has flying, and whenever you attack with two or more creatures, draw a card. Whenever another player attacks with two or more creatures, they draw a card if none of those creatures attack you. Now, one thing I want to point out before we dive into this, so when we say set booster commander cards, these are cards that are only legal in eternal formats, um, focused on commander, obviously, um, and they are exclusive to the set boosters, and uh, you can get the extended version on the right there in collector boosters. All right, Dave, tell us about Firemane Commando. Right. Well, the the main note I got from Ethan was sort of a, a joking one, and that just like he like this is this is part of my role to keep improving, like yeah, kind of giving new tools to White and Commander, and that that was like generally the focus of this card. All right. Yep. We've already got some people in chat claiming it. Uh, next up, we have a black card called Infernal Sovereign. We're skipping around in colors a little bit, and you'll see why in a moment. Moment. Infernal Sovereign, another demon joining the fray. Four, two black mana for a creature demon. Six, six, flying trample. Skip your draw step. That's when you know something powerful is coming. Uh, whenever you play a land or cast a spell, you draw a card and you lose one life. That is quite the bargain there, Dave. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the flavor here is great, I think, just in terms of a demon with a major drawback and, again, like, with some pretty huge upside. Um, I, I, was, I was told that apparently this card was in Dominaria United and then sort of a late, we, we made a late swap to get another card into uh, that set, and this was sort of, like, saved for, uh, saved for the future, so you had to wait some months to get this card. Nice. Yeah, very powerful, clearly. Um, I don't know, I'm going to try to do something. It says draw a card. Um, all right, next up we have a cycle of five cards. Uh, we're going to show the first one and then have Dave kind of talk about what the cycle is trying to do, and then we'll, we'll show the rest. So 
Let's kick things off with Elspeth's Talent. So for two white and a white, you get an enchantment aura that has Enchant Planeswalker. Enchanted Planeswalker has plus one loyalty, create three 1-1 one, one white soldier creature tokens, and then whenever you activate a loyalty ability of Enchanted Planeswalker, creatures you control get plus two, plus two, and gain vigilance until end of turn. All right, tell us about the talent cycle. Right. So from what I understand, yeah, the, one of the major goals here was, right, like th things are on the brink, um, right, the, like in, in many ways, the, the main set focused on legends and didn't really focus as much on planeswalkers at this, right, th things are, things are really in doubt. The, the future is sort of unknown here, um, right, like we'll see a lot of what happens in the future with Aftermath, but like, right, we, we, like Ethan really wanted to like play up, like, play up looking at um, stuff to work with planeswalkers and highlight planeswalkers here, and that was mm -hmm. one of the goals, like the, from my understanding is that each of the the loyalty abilities you see here like very closely mimic one of the previous planeswalker cards like e even in most cases the number does so you can find those abilities on past planeswalkers with um that identity and then yeah the the rest of the text on the card is usually usually kind of new and novel and them trying to come up with like the the best flavorful match to that character mm -hmm. all right speaking of flavorfully matching a character this this next one uh, Makes me laugh a little bit. Teferi's Talent. Three blue-blue. Enchantment Aura. Enchant Planeswalker. Enchanted Planeswalker has minus 12 loyalty. You get an emblem with you may activate loyalty abilities of Planeswalkers you control on any player's turn, any time you could cast an instant. Whenever you draw a card, put a loyalty counter on Enchanted Planeswalker. This, this one goes big, Dave. Yeah, yeah, this has got, got a pretty big dream, um, right? A, a lot of the fun on these cards too is just like, all right, these can, these can go on any planeswalker, and then yeah, like, can you can you come up with like, right, the the right matching of like you getting getting these on like planeswalkers that come and start with a lot of like a lot of loyalty compared mm -hmm. to some other cards. So yeah, it's... yeah. All right, next up we have Liliana's talent. Love the art on this one. Uh, Two black mana, enchantment aura, enchant planeswalker. Enchanted planeswalker has minus eight loyalty. Put all creature cards from all graveyards into the battlefield under your control. Whenever a creature deals damage to enchanted planeswalker, destroy that creature. This seems pretty cool, Dave. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I mean, like the, I mean, yeah, I, I love the the minus ability here is so cool, so cool. In fact, that we have it on a very, <laughs> it's a very similar ability on a shield in our set. But uh, yeah, and then then the the last ability is what I think call back to no mercy or whatever, which is mm -hmm. just fun, evil feeling. Like you you hit me, you're going down in the process. So. Yeah, very cool. All right, next up on the talent cycle, we have Rowan's talent. So Rowan two red and red. Enchantment Aura, Enchantment Planeswalker. Enchanted Planeswalker has plus one loyalty. Up to one target creature gets plus two, plus zero, and gains first strike and trample until end of turn. Uh, certainly reminiscent of the Will and Rowan card. And whenever you activate a loyalty ability of Enchanted Planeswalker, copy that ability. You may choose new targets for that copy. That is wild. Copying Planeswalker abilities, Dave. Yeah, I mean, like copying stuff's great. Again, like if we're making a cycle like these to work with planeswalkers, yeah, ha having having the ability to copy stuff off of a planeswalker. I mean, this is yeah, can do some really cool, really cool stuff with whatever sort of super planeswalker you're creating here. 
I can already feel the internet spinning up all of the things that you can copy on Planeswalker abilities and do weird things. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I can't come up with anything <laughs> off the spot, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do something. All right, last talent we've got Vivian's talent. One a green and a green enchantment aura enchant Planeswalker. Enchanted Planeswalker has plus one loyalty. Look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal a creature or land card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under you control, put a loyalty counter on Enchanted Planeswalker. This one almost seems quaint in comparison to the wildness on some of the other ones. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it has the allure of doing the quick ultimate. Like, I know I like, yeah, he even I remember when I first started work trying to like, uh, I want to like get cost ultimate as fast as I can. And so like, yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know, there, there's a part of me that's, yeah, like, right, this this is giving you the like, uh, I can, yeah, how can I figure out like much like with proliferate, like what's the fastest way to try to get to an ultimate? Yep. All right, so that's all the talent. Uh, we are going to end the set booster cards with um, a very splashy five color card. Let's take a look at the appropriately named Begin the Invasion. So, for X and Wooburg mana, uh, you get a sorcery that says, Search your library for up to X battle cards with different names, then put them onto the battlefield, then shuffle. Yeah, Dave, this is definitely Beginning the Invasion. Yeah, this, this is super cool. I mean, Ethan was saying, right, like that didn't really make sense to include battles um, w with this product. But yeah, like, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the battles were in the main set, like in, in terms of like, yeah, the, the commander focus, again, just more in general, the commander focus was on plane chase. And that was sort of how the expression of highlighting the planes was. But um, he was mentioning that it would be, yeah, be really cool to have a card that like, if you wanted to build like all the, pl like all the battles, as many battles as you could, that he mm -hmm. wanted to make a card for, for that player. Well, I love that this is just, it's begin the invasion, and then there are all the battles in front of you. It's super flavorful. Um, I can definitely see some, some players trying to pull this off. All right, that covers all of the set booster cards. Now we're going to get to one of the most exciting parts of March of the Machine, which is the bonus sheet, the Multiverse Legends. I'm going to say it correctly this week. We're going to show you a ton of them. It's like, I don't know, 20? We're going to feel like 20 of these, because uh, why not? Uh, this is the last day of March of the Machine previews. Tomorrow, the full card image gallery will be posted, so you'll see everything that it kind of fills in the blanks. Um, but because of that, we just get to show you a bunch of these. So, And, and Dave will kind of talk a little bit yeah. about, I mean, they're all sort of cool legends that we Yeah, no, I mean, I, I pretty much selected all these cards al along with, like, yeah, M Emily's guidance and stuff and did a, did a lot of research to figure out who was still alive and <laughs> they were, like, we, we filled off a surprising number of our legends. I didn't even know it, but... Yeah. All right, well, let's do it. Let's start with, uh, well, still alive. We, we, know, we know from a preview of Aftermath this character does not survive <laughs> the invasion, um, but... Still alive at the start. Still of alive the... at the start. We're in, we're in March of the Machine. Kenrith, the returned king, is still alive. Uh, we'll learn a little bit more about his fate uh, in Aftermath. But yeah, Kenrith, the returned king. So before we jump in, into this, Dave, can you talk a little bit about um, the, the frame on the left and how the frames were selected for all of these? Right, so all the frames are trying to show them in a, in a like place that, like, like either where they originated or sometimes that gets a little bit murky, but like where, we're, where we've seen them recently or something like that. But yeah, so like the, the frames are all 
trying to like uh, like this I think is supposed to look mostly like an adventure frame um, from mm -hmm. Eldraine um, and that was the idea like that each of the frames were either taken and most of them had to be modified somewhat to, for this treatment but like all trying to highlight them in a frame that represents them um, in their natural world natural setting yeah uh, now we're gonna show a bunch of legends all in the same natural setting uh, Ikoria people are gonna get the the uh, the gist as soon as we show the first one so let's just show uh, Jeruda doom of depths so we've got the companions in in we've this got, we've yeah. got all the companions one's pretty silly but it felt would felt weird to do only nine uh, we'll, <laughs> I think we'll see that one but I don't recommend building around that one when we get to it but yeah I, I like Again, you, you, can, uh, you can assign any responsibility on companions to me you want, since I led Ikaria <laughs> as well. But yeah, like, I don't know, th these are super fun and limited. I mean, yes, like, uh, like I'm actually genuinely a little bit curious to see how they play out with the, you know, the fact that they now need to spend three. Um, but I, I also wanted to see them in print with like updated wording to uh, like match our or new Oracle wording for yep. how they now play. So I was, I was excited to see them again. I like, I also, I mean, I, I love Ikoria. I like, I love what the artists are doing with these. They look, look, look great. The frames look great um, with like the crystals and stuff. So. All right. Uh, next up, we have Kahira the Orphan Guard. This might be the one I was talking about. Yeah, there are. It's going to be hard to have all your creatures be, or yeah, or to have all your cat creatures be cats, elementals, nightmares, dinosaurs, beasts. But yeah, like in this, this is here mostly for completeness for yeah. people that want to own this card. I'm looking at the list. I'm realizing we only have nine of the companions on the list today. But that's fine. All ten of them are in the set. We just aren't showing them all. Yeah, they've already seen one, right? Uh, Karuga. Oh, they probably have already seen one. They, maybe. Anyway, Karuga the Macro Sage is next. Yeah. I'm Dinosaur Hippo. Play big cards, yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Lurus of the Dream Den, of course. I think it's... I think it's the best of them. The, it's yeah, gotta yeah, be. Yeah. It's just the, gotta the be. The most yeah. infamous. Yep. Yep. Love that art update on the left. Uh, next, we have Lutri the Spell Chaser. I did. I was noticing before the show, um, I love the Phyrexian and the art on the left. Then we have Obosh the Prey Piercer. That's right, we already saw Gigantha. That's why Gigantha's not on this list. <clears throat> then we have Umori the Collector. I love Umori's face. Each non-land card in your starting deck shares a card type. That's a that's a tough one to pull off too. Well you can yeah, that's uh somebody, somebody will pull off battles for the first time. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know that that does anything. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty... <laughs> it would be pretty bad, yeah, it's but... Be, I don't know it would be a good deck. You could and, say you did it. constructed somebody, you know, <laughs> maybe do it. All right, next up, the Sky Noodle and themselves, Yorian Sky Nomad. We get a, a closer look at the bird serpent on the left up there. And last but not least, Zerta the Dawnwalker. Elemental Firefox thing. All right. Okay, we have a bunch more of these that aren't companions. So the next one has a little bit of an interesting story to it. Uh, it's Lothiel the 
Bounteous Dawn. Uh, now, Dave, before this, it was not apparent that Lathiel was from Eldraine. That's true. We, yeah, there, there were a couple of multiverse legends. I think Amodi is the other one that people have noted um, that we, we hadn't really assigned where, where they came from. Um, I mean, there were hints, there were clues. In some cases, we didn't necessarily even know where they had come from. Um, and right in, in terms of just playing into the, the beautiful frames that were being put together, like it was, you know, like... If we wanted to show some of them here, like we felt it was important that, like, right, we weren't going to build a million frames for you, sorry, but, um, right, that Lathiel made total sense to be on Eldraine in much the same way Emoti made sense with, like, even in the name, Bounty in the name was something we had used, like, pretty mm -hmm. extensively for Amonkhet. And, yeah, felt like a good match, and we decided to go ahead and say Lathiel was from Eldraine. Yeah, makes sense to me. Uh, next up, everyone's favorite tea drinker. We have Dina Soul Steeper. Now there, there was a little bit uh, of interesting work done on the frame on the left because originally these were all for spells. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, the yeah, the, that team had to do a lot of work <laughs> to like get this, yeah, all sorted out for yeah, like what I think we have something like sixteen different card frame treatments for mm -hmm. for the most prominent planes. So yeah, these these. Look great on creatures as well. All right. And next up, we have, I'm going to mispronounce this, Ferja, Judge of Valor. Looking super cool in that new art on the left. After that, uh, this has one of my favorite pieces of art as well. Raph Weatherlight Stalwart. I'm a big fan of the stained glass art on the left there as well. Yeah, just a quick note. I mean, we do like <clears throat> we we do have a few that are like kind of from recent sets. Like we like just in terms of like looking for optimal gameplay and things that sort of make sense with what else is in the set. We ended up choosing a, a few from recent times, like Dominaria United in particular. Yeah, makes sense. Now I, I remember this card being a powerhouse in limited in its day all right next up baral chief of compliance i'm super excited for that version on the left there the inventions frame on non-artifacts next up this will be a favorite as well sram senior edificer Dwarf Advisor. Popular card in Pioneer. Uh, next up, we have Oryxmethy's Slumbering Isle. This was another one I did not realize was from Theros. But it makes sense. Two more left. Uh, Bruticlad Telcor Engineer. You said you had a little story on this one? Yeah, see if I can even remember the details. But yeah, in, in general, I feel like I was researching around trying to find a red blue um, legend, and it, it felt like that like Bruticlad had somehow appeared from somewhere in the nebulous future, and maybe like Dominaria was on the verge of being conquered by New Phyrexian. I, I just thought, like, again, 
details escape me, but I felt like it was kind of fun. Well, may maybe Brutacloud, this is the future where Brutacloud was coming from. And hmm. I don't know, like, who knows? I don't even know that that all matches up, but it <laughs> seemed like a pretty fun card to be including here otherwise anyways. People do enjoy a good Brutaclad, and uh, yeah, that, that ink, ink treatment on the left is really cool. And finally, your favorite and mine, Yarok the Desecrated. Coming in with that Zendikar frame on the left. And we do have permanence entering the battlefield with triggered abilities a lot in the set, which is the battles. So this is, this is pretty, pretty good fun with battles, quite powerful. Oh, yeah. All right, so that is all the Multiverse Legends we are going to show today. There are more coming. Check dailymtg.com for the update to that card image gallery. We're going to show a bunch more of those, um, and they all have a little bit of flavor in the draft environment. Um, before we get to Q&A, we do want to share a little bit of information about the aftermath. We've been kind of tight-lipped on March of the Machine, the aftermath, uh, mostly because like almost everything we do gives something away. Like it just so, but we're we're past the after, we're past the March of the Machine story. So there's some stuff we can give away. Uh, for example, the buy a box promo that we're going to show is Joel Real, voice of Zulfir. You can see why we didn't want to mention that the voice of Zulfir was around uh, before we got to March of the Machine. So this is the buy a box. It is in the main set as well. It's two a green and a blue for a legendary creature, a human druid. It's a three three. And at the beginning of combat on your turn, up to one target land you control becomes an XX green and blue bird creature with flying in haste until end of turn where X is the number of cards in your hand. It's still a land. And whenever a land creature you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. And this has a number of variations that you can get. It's got the retro frame. We've got some foil etched in there, extended, and the buy a box there on the far right. So Dave, tell us a little bit about Joriel. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a ton to say about this card. I mean, I, I do feel like we, we latched onto the idea of like, you know, like having a land creature matters, um, creature, point, you know, commander, um, that it just felt like a pretty fun idea to like, all right, like that yeah, she's going to turn your lands into creatures and then you might have incentive to play other lands that could become creatures since we've provided you with a lot of those over the years and just that that felt like kind of a fun new space that felt on flavor for her and like again the artist totally killed it in terms of mm -hmm. making that all make sense yeah um i do want to clarify something that i'm seeing in chat so people are talking about the number 230 and they're like there are 230 cards in aftermath but that's not the case there are it? 50 cards and yeah so like yeah there are 50 cards in the set so the numbering just covers variations then? yeah that's that's my understanding yep okay um all right and then finally we can show off the aftermath packaging so some of this has already gone out we get a glimpse of what's going on with some of the characters who were involved we are going to tell the story of aftermath on may 1st and 2nd so make sure to tune into dailymtg.com then for uh more details on why nahiri doesn't have sword arms anymore <laughs> we'll find out more about that and more about what happened to a bunch of planeswalkers, uh, as well as a bunch of other characters. And, uh, you know, some of them might walk off into the sunset, some might not. We'll see. Stay tuned for the aftermath. Um, okay, so we are going to hit the Q&A section now. I'm going to start with a couple questions where um, that I've seen. 
If you have a question, it's best to tag at magic. I will see it um, better that way. Uh, and we'll just kind of go from there. All right, first of all, Dave, uh, a comment slash question I've seen a bunch is that there's no rare land cycle in this set. There is no rare land cycle, yeah. Um, we, yeah we, had, we had already covered all our bases and getting the mana up to speed where we wanted it for standard. And yeah, we, I mean, part of that, I think even like originally, I think there was some sense like, oh, like the rare lands here might be planes, which like are what battles evolved into, but then yeah, we, we went a totally different direction. Like the, the origins of battles were in lands that were planes or portals to planes. And, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, we, 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 we have plenty of good mana fixing in standard, so yep. not, not in this set. All right. All right, I'm getting a lot of questions about Aftermath, so we're going to stick in Aftermath for a little bit. Uh, one, is Aftermath going to be legal in standard? Yes. Yes. Uh, and so that also sort of sideways answers the question about if it will be on Arena. It will be on Arena as well. Which we're excited about. I mean, I, I yeah. think it is cool that that will be like, a, you know, a time to shake up standard again a little bit rather than, yeah, like needing to wait for, for the next set releases. Something, yep. something we've been eager to try as an experiment. Yep, absolutely. Um, how many cards are in an Aftermath booster? Not, yeah, I, I mean, it depends on which type of booster, but I feel like it's, I mean, I may get this wrong, but it's something like five or six playable cards. I mean, again, there are other types of objects in there, but I would point you to other places where we hopefully will have that up. Yes, we will have that information up. Um, what? Uh, so we won't dive into that. So there's a question. How do you play with Aftermath? Now, the Aftermath boosters are not meant to be drafted, correct? They're not meant to be drafted. I'm sure people will run that experiment. Um, I, I'm sure, I, I believe Arena may even run that experiment. I forget. But yeah, like mm -hmm. it's, they're, they're not meant to be drafted. They're very, I mean, the, the, the whole set is very story driven. Something like 80% of the cards are, were like Emily and Roy saying like, hey, we want you to show this moment. Mm -hmm. And me and my team trying to top down that moment into like text that makes sense to tell that story the best. Um, that means that like not necessarily a lot of them are, yeah, like they, they will be out of place. They will call back like we, yeah, without giving away stuff. Like we do have some kind of goofy um, mashups of mechanics, like almost in a modern horizon sort of way. Not a ton of cards are like yeah. that, but like we're definitely drawing like, you know, hey, we could still support this strategy that didn't quite pan out in the past. And there, there's stuff from all over and stuff that wouldn't really be supported, um, stuff that maybe like helps Planeswalkers or something like that, that again, wouldn't really do much or add to your draft experience. But I'm sure people will try it. It will, it will be fun in small doses if you wanted to like try to add these as an extra pack to your draft. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, I've seen a number of questions about um, why there's no five-color Phyrexian uh, Lord Legend. It's true, yeah. I, I don't know that we... Well, first of all, I don't know who that would be in terms of the story, but I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, we do have... Omnath is, is the closest thing, I guess, to that. Yeah. Like, um, but um, yeah, we, it, it's, it's not something that we're going to deliver on every time. I mean, we do... Yeah, I can't can't give away. There, there, there's still. <laughs> every time we make five color commanders, it's also just very challenging in terms of like not making those too ubiquitous or, right? Fi finding like even with Omnath trying to like latch on to like that that card latched on to three mana colored symbols is a way to like kind of differentiate it from other cards. But yep. 
Um, will the full spoiler card slash card image gallery be up tomorrow? Yes, it will. That will have everything. We, there are previews ongoing today. So uh, if you're into Commander, the five Commander decks are all being previewed today. I think roughly every two hours. Uh, if you go on Daily MTG, uh, you'll find that there's an article called Where to Find uh, March of the Machine Previews, and it'll list links and all the uh, five outlets that are doing Commander previews today. All right. Um, so Dave is not a story guy. He's, he doesn't work on guy. that. But but you may know. Um, actually, you know we shouldn't we shouldn't. There's aftermath spoilers coming up. I don't know yeah. that we should. There's a lot of questions about like where's this character, where's that character. I think we uh, have to hold all. Uh, of yeah, I mean the, the much of the vision of aftermath is sort of like. Right, like this, you know, for, for Magic, this is sort of like our, our big, you know, this is would be our big kind of like huge movie blockbuster type thing. And yeah. Aftermath, in many ways, I've heard pitched or explained is like, Aftermath is very much like an extended post credit scene. So like, this is like, these are all the things that happened afterwards. Like here, here this is us tying up all the loose ends and showing you what the, mm -hmm. the world looks like after world, afterwards and like, and showing you like what's happening in various places in the multiverse that wouldn't make sense to do in the next set that we're going to go to a very specific plane. So yeah, like, yeah. So like questions like after Norn's death, Norn isn't dead. Just to be clear, North is Norn has been moved into the space where Zulfir used to be. Uh, is the Gatewatch still alive? I mean, are they no longer completed or Phyrexian? So like questions like that. Stay tuned for the aftermath. Yes, yes. Yeah. So some, yeah, like much of the KSP or key selling point of like <laughs> I guess the aftermath is still something we can't really talk about. Yeah, we we have a very cool group of mythics, and yep, you'll learn about them someday. Yep. Uh, let's see. People are asking if Ragavan is going to be banned in historic. Um, no news on that today. I think. Yeah, I think, I think we're gonna let Ragavan. Yeah, you think Maybe? so? You didn't say that. I, I don't know, I don't know anything official, <laughs> okay. but I, I think we're going to run the experiment. Could be wrong. Um, how frequently do you think you'll do aftermath-style story coda sets? Um, we'll see. We'll uh, see. We haven't announced any yet, but uh, we'll, we'll see how this one goes. I think. Let's see. Uh. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah. I misspoke about Norn is dead. Phyrexia was moved into Zorn's... Norn's head was pulled off. Yes, thank, thank you for clarifying that for me, Chad. Um, Norn's dead. Norn's dead. <laughs> Phyrexia was moved. Okay. Um, let's see. Okay. Will the foil treatment match the previous set frames like Kaladesh and Amonkhet masterpieces? I believe the answer is no, but you may know... I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I, I think the answer is no, that they're not doing different foilings for the different treatments. That the foiling is the same, it's the frame that is different. All right. Um, here's a good question. What is your, Dave, favorite part of developing a limited environment? Favorite part? Um, I, I feel like a lot of it for me is just actually like kind of from the outset getting all the mechanics to to synergize and work together, figure out like that we have the right, right? Like each of, you know, you could have like four really cool mechanics, but then like they might not play well together. Um, like I, I do even like a senior design seminar that like talks a lot about like what are the elements of, of what you want for mechanics. And a lot of that's from perspective of getting them all to work together like that you want. 
right? Like you want some smoothing mechanics, you want some like mechanics that kind of like we'd call linear where like you like have a very specific, like you want a group of cards that like, um, or, or cards that are telling you to kind of go after a specific thing. You want some mechanic that's maybe more open-ended. So like it, it's, right, that like a mechanic that's I guess like called more modular, like that it can kind of go in any deck and like trying to get, get a, a mixing and matching of things that are gonna work well and get your mechanics to work well together so that we get some of the ways to let you pivot from one color pair to another because we have some of the stuff like we talked about where like, oh, that like there are multiple things you'd wanna sacrifice or multiple cards that care about plus one, plus one counters, like even on like the red white backup slide, I don't think I got around to saying like that, that double striking Kithkin's also really good with plus one, plus one counters team. And just like trying to make sure that like, yeah, there, there are, that you don't get like two on rails, like we'd say, like some, some sets like fall into a trap of like, all right, like now I've, I've drafted this card and it's telling me to draft this and like, oh, now I just keep drafting all the cards that have this word and it's not, it's not super fun or engaging. It can be fun a few times, but like, right, we're, we're now in a world Cold where snap. now in a world where yeah people are doing yeah hundreds of drafts <laughs> and like we want to make sure we can make that fun as long as possible yeah um all right uh, we've only got a couple minutes left so a couple more questions um any battles in aftermath no no the battles are done they're won other things that rhyme um let's see ch -ch 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 -ch. Yeah, we can't, we can't answer story questions because Aftermath might answer them. A lot of times we can't at this point like start answering story questions, and we just, we just can't because Aftermath. Um, will all Aftermath cards have a retro version? Um, a retro version. I, I'm going to pass don't, on that question. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think the answer is yes, but um, I don't have that information in front of us, so we'll see. Um, can Aftermath be drafted with March of the Machine? I think we talked about, like, we talked about doing some, like, like you draft March of the Machine and then maybe you insert some Aftermath. Yeah, I, I mean, I, again, I, I'm sure it will happen. It will not be, like, a heavily supported thing for a long period of time, but it's, it's, it's something I expect to be going on in the first, like, couple weeks after release here or there, but not... not that is not what the product was. The, 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 the experience was de not designed for that. Like we did not like we we do many 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 drafts. Like there are many drafts of March of the Machine we did. We did not do drafts with uh, with aftermath at least during playtesting. I know. Yeah. I believe some people have done it since because people are like, yeah, I'd like want to do this, and people mm -hmm. people have done it since and try to get a gauge on where it's at. But it was not designed for that experience. Yeah. The the primary focus of aftermath was to to tell the story through cards, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. We are just about out of time. Sorry if we did not get to your question. Um, next week, I will be back uh, right here, same magic channel, uh, with uh, product opening. So we're going to open a bunch of March of the Machine uh, collector boosters, set boosters, draft boosters, and just so you kind of get a feel for what is in the set. Uh, after that, on the 18th, I think it is, we're going to be back, and we're going to actually play with the Commander Precons. Uh, I got Nilsa de Tora, I got uh, Gavin Verhey joining me, and someone else on my team, and uh, we'll just play through the decks, Is hopefully hopefully in like an hour. We'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, um, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Dave, for yeah. joining us and talking us through March of the Machine. The full card image gallery is up 
as of tomorrow. And then March of the Machine pre-releases start next week. So thank you for tuning in and we will see you next week.